Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I feel really lucky because I love what I do and I get to do what I love. And that's, that's insane to me. That's the dream right there. Welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm at Samsung 837. Joining me is a very exciting guest, Shonda Rhimes. Shonda is one of the most accomplished and celebrated television writers and producers of our time. I'm sure you've seen many of her shows, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, Private Practice, Bridgerton, the spinoff Queen Charlotte, and of course, Grey's Anatomy, one of the longest-running primetime TV shows ever. Shonda has become a force in the entertainment business. Do you know? Shonda is the first woman to create three television dramas that have achieved the 100-episode milestone. Can you name them? Shonda continues to grow her business in many directions while keeping a very, very interested audience and a very entertained audience. It's nice to see you again, Shonda. It's you great. look beautiful. Thank you. It's great to be here. You look amazing. Thank you. Um, it's so fun to have you here because uh, so much has happened. Uh, Shonda spent one night at my house. Was it one night or two nights? I think it was two nights. Two it was nights amazing. at my little tenant house, guest house, which was a little bit disheveled because my daughter had just torn it apart to refurnish it. But Shonda was writing, you were working on Bridgerton. I was. And you were so busy. Your sister stayed with you yeah. and you were you were editing and, and uh, I guess doing retakes and stuff. And it, 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 I hardly saw you and I really wanted to entertain you and everything, but you were so busy. I know. And the lights were on all night long. <laughs> <laughs> I did work all night. You did. She was looking for a house at the time also, in, in addition to finishing the first season of Bridgerton. Uh, Shonda was looking for a house nearby, and I was so hoping. I had my fingers crossed, my legs crossed, waiting for her to buy a house near me in Bedford. But instead, she chose my old town of Westport, Connecticut. I did. How do you like it there? I love it. It's wonderful for my family. It's also a really friendly town. It has good food. 
So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and you're right on the sea there. You're near the sea. Mm -hmm. It's not really the sea. It's the sound, Long Island Sound, but it is beautiful. Uh, Why did you want to live on on the East Coast? I had never been in love with living on the West Coast. Um, I'm a Midwesterner at heart, and I'd gone to college in New England, and I always thought I would end up in New England. And what was very interesting is, is my career took me to Los Angeles, which I never would have guessed in a million years. I really wouldn't have. And so 20 years in, 25 years in, when the pandemic happened, I realized I can do all the same work I'm doing from anywhere. I don't actually have to be in LA to do the work. So it was kind of a perfect time with my kids. They were the right ages. My daughter was going to college. My younger ones were sort of going into early elementary school. And we picked up and we moved. And uh, got a beautiful house. I I haven't seen pictures of that one yet. But Shonda also did a fantastic uh, apartment in New York City. A a very, very, I think while, while you were working on Bridgerton, you got very fancy taste. Well, you know what's funny is, is I almost think that the taste of that got how it was decorated influenced a lot of Bridgerton because oh, we did, did it first. Oh, yeah. you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. And working with a close friend of ours and I think uh, one of the most celebrated interior designers, Michael Smith. Michael Smith. So, um, oh, so did he work on Bridgerton interiors too? He didn't. I just think that what he did in our, the apartment really sort of inspired the All push the of the looks going Georgian, forward. F- Georgian furniture yeah. and gilded mirrors and, uh, and those interiors. Uh, Let's get to Bridgerton, first of all, because that was the last thing I've really watched. I didn't see Queen Charlotte yet. Oh. I think I only saw, I think I saw two episodes. Okay. So in Bridgerton, it's very beautifully shot. Where is that? In a studio or is it in real houses? Oh, no, it's in real houses all over England. There's a lot of it that's shot in Bath. It's stunning. Like the the exteriors and the interiors that we get to film in are stunning. We have not really done a lot of stage work. On that show, it's mostly just real amazing spaces. And oh, that's England. good. Yeah, and uh, and are a lot of those houses for rent for for sets? Some of them are, and some of them we have to do some convincing. Yeah, but some of them are. Yeah, and it's uh, it's so it's so beautifully shot and so beautifully edited and so amazingly acted by a cast yeah. that uh, does that shake up the the English a little bit having an all black cast pretty much. Um, it does shake it up. I mean, it's not an all-black cast. <laughs> not all, but, no. But, but you know, but Lady Danbury, the Duke, the Queen, they're all people of color. Right. And that got a very interesting reception. And, uh, well, because, and I, I've, been, I've been reading a lot about you in preparation. And so what you did with some of your shows, incorporating a lot of very fine talent, we wanted to see inclusion. We wanted to see uh, a much more diverse America and you brought it to TV in such a clever, beautiful way. I think you really influenced the rest of television because every single, and because I think you got advertiser dollars at the same time. I think we proved in a very interesting way, in a way that I have never even really planned, but we ended up proving that as an economic model, shows with more diverse audiences, shows with more diverse cast have more diverse audiences, larger audiences, and also more spending power in terms of the advertisements. Right. To see Bridgerton with the Black Queen, Golda, uh, what, what made you th- do that? There is a whole part of history where they, there's been real speculation about whether or not Queen Charlotte was a woman of color or not. And I thought, you know, I don't make shows that don't include somebody who looks like me. That's just not interesting to me. And I thought, well, let's go with the premise that Queen Charlotte definitely was a woman of color and let's build our world from there. 
And that really helped us in so terms of setting it up. why don't we know if she was or not, really? If, there, if there's speculation, why don't we know? I think there's been some uh, erasure in history, oh. a bit of erasure in history, because... Obviously, that's not was not the popular idea at the time. But if you look at the portraits, if you listen to the stories, if you hear, it, it seems like that was who she was. Really interesting, and mm-hmm. and to see the reaction and to see the uh, success, I love it. I think it's it's just incredibly fabulous what you do. I think audiences embrace that kind of storytelling, storytelling that just sort of leans into whatever the idea is. Shonda started out as a novelist. Is that what you started out as? Really? I started out wanting to be a to novelist. Be a novelist. Yeah. Okay. So where'd you go to college? I went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. And how was that? Actually, I loved it. It was probably the most exciting thing I did at the time in terms of learning to spread my wings creatively. I did a lot of theater. I directed a lot of theater there. Um, I did a lot of writing. Television still hadn't occurred to me back then, but it was really a very fertile creative ground for me. And it's such a beautiful place. It's one of the most beautiful uh, places in the world. I, I used love to go it. up there when I was in high school. I had a boyfriend who was on the basketball team uh. at Dartmouth. And I <laughs> would take that long train ride. Yes. <laughs> so you then decided that you were going to, then you started to write books. And how many books have you written? Um, no, I didn't write books. So I got out of college. I floundered for a little while, worked in advertising. And then I read an article that said it was harder to get into USC film school than it was to get into Harvard Law School. And my parents were academics, and that sounded like something they would accept. So I went to film school at USC. And I didn't start writing books until much, much later in my career. Oh, later. Okay. Oh, so, okay. After film school. Yes. And what did film do? Film school do? Yeah. It was great. It was a real jumping off point for me. I learned so much. And I ended up writing some some movies. Like, I call them teen girl movies. I wrote Crossroads starring Britney Spears. Um, which I hear is being re-released now. Yeah, well, she's becoming a, you know a, a, another news personality right now. Yes, exactly. And then I did a Princess Diaries two, and I did introducing Dorothy Dandridge for HBO. So I did a bunch of that, and then really just realized that all of the real creative work, all of the real character development, seemed to be happening on television, and I really wanted to do that. And during COVID. More and more and more so, don't you think? Yes, I agree. I mean, as movies sort of dwindled because of the difficulty of producing during during COVID, TVs just took off. Audiences stopped going oh, to the movies and everybody started wanting to watch things on their screens at home. And I think it just really exploded. And uh, as of, I guess, yesterday or this morning, the writers have decided to go back to work on the strike. Well, the yes, a deal was reached yeah, that they, was they satisfactory. Still have to vote, though. Don't you still yeah, have to vote? Yeah, still have to vote. But a yeah. deal was, was struck that was satisfactory to the negotiating committee, and so now, yeah, the writers are back to work as of midnight last night. Well, they're going to be they're 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 going to be so prepared because I hope during this time it's a lot of it's five months. I know uh, they must have been writing like crazies. You Do would you think. Well, you would think that. I think for a lot of us. It was very stressful to be on strike. It was really difficult economically for the entire town. And then I think for some of us, having that break actually was a great way to renew our creative brain and our creative energy. You know, that was really helpful. So I don't know how much writing got done with all the worrying and the renewal. I hope they did use some of the time to to do that because they got a nice fair settlement from what I read. And I'm Mm -hmm. so happy for them. And, uh, and I hope they did right because I I miss late night so much. Right. You know, yeah. we have and poor Jimmy Fallon and poor, and poor <laughs> all, the, all the all the guys who are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs trying to trying to be creative in other mm-hmm. ways. But uh, I'm excited about that now. Now, what about the actors? That's the thing. The actors are still out. The actors are still on strike, and I think that's going to be 
uh, also a pretty big battle. I don't know that that's going to be Did a simple solution. Did you have to solution. halt all production? Yeah, we halted all production, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a simple solution. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, all this, the whole AI and the whole, uh, mm-hmm. all of that for the for the actors is uh, quite something. Yeah, it was big for the writers too. Yes. So Shondaland, tell us about the formation of Shondaland because I love the name, Shondaland. <laughs> and uh, this is the parent company of all things Shonda Rhimes and her, yes. and her group. Well, it's funny because when you first create a show and you have to put a logo on the show for your producing credit, you have to come up with something. And so first episode of Grey's Anatomy, I was like, let's call it Shondaland. That sounds cute and fun. And it wasn't until the show becomes a huge hit that I realized that that's now the name. Like, that's the name we're going to use. And it's going to be forever named after me, which felt like an even bigger responsibility. Started right in the beginning. Right with Grey's Anatomy. Now, I just spent a weekend with Dr. McDreamy. Ah, Patrick, yes. Yes, wow. And I posted a picture of me with Patrick. I saw that. And um, and he, I cannot tell you, I think I have gotten more comments about, about Patrick than any other person that's ever been on my Instagram. Uh, people were crazy about him. Is he retired from the show? He's retired from the show. He's been gone for, oh my God, almost 10 seasons. Oh, now. 10 seasons. But I think that that, he but, left an imprint that remained so strong for people. Oh, and yes. honestly, like I saw him on your on your Instagram and thought like, wow, he looks amazing. Oh, he looks yeah. so good. And he has a mm-hmm. beautiful wife. Yes, she was, she was with him. We went to Brunello Cuccinelli's birthday party oh, in, nice. in Italy. And he told me about a house he just bought up in Maine. And he wants me to come see it because I have a house in Maine oh, also. Nice. And so I'm going to go, go consult with him on his house. <laughs> I love he, that. He seems very busy with it. But he's making movies now, so yeah, uh, very is. exciting for his career. But he became, you know, world famous with Grey's Anatomy, as did the other actors on the show. He did. It's just an incredible, incredible success story. And uh, so is it streaming everywhere now, Grey's Anatomy? It's on, you can see it all on Netflix, and it's still on ABC, and recent episodes are still on Hulu. So there's a lot of ways you can get it, which is great. So when you were preparing for such a show, did you... Did you learn a lot about medicine? I did. I spent a lot of time with a couple of surgical residents, asking them what their lives were like and what, you know, how it all worked. I had a wonderful doctor who was over at UCLA Health who let us come and look around and learn about medicine from the, the viewing perspective, which was interesting and exciting. And then I read a ton and talked to a lot of doctors. And we had tons of medical consultants, which made it easier. So sometimes I would just type, they say, medical, medical, medical. And the oh, medical and they medical. Would fit it in? And they would put in the real oh, medical. Oh, that's, that's yeah. the way because it's so professional. We work really hard on that. And we have some actual doctors on staff, on our writing staff. Right. Law and Order does that with the legal. Mm-hmm. You did it amazingly with the medical. Just amazingly. I love to make science exciting. That Ellen stuff Pompeo exciting. has become a friend of mine. Ellen's wonderful. Oh, she's a fantastic, yeah. fantastic actress and a fantastic person. And uh, she was that part. She is that part. She is that part. And she. I think she always will be, no yeah. matter how much she participates and how much she takes off. She always will be that part. And I think that's what you do to your actors and actresses. <laughs> uh, get to Scandal. Yes. Another very long-running, beautiful show. Uh, you had seven seasons? Seven seasons. And uh, is, will there be an eighth or not? No, no, no. We're no. never going to do any more. I think that we ended at exactly the right time for us in terms of our storytelling. We asked our listeners uh, for some questions for you. So many of them were about Olivia Pope. Yeah. So many about each character. Why did this one have to die? Why did that one have to die? <laughs> so many people died in that show. They did. But what really got me in that show was the the speech. 
that rapid fire speech of Olivia Pope. I started mm-hmm. to talk like that and I had to stop myself. <laughs> Where did that come from? Was you that know, her or you? No, you know what's interesting is I wrote the first script and it was, I think, 75 pages long. And a script is usually between 50 and 60. And I wrote it on the beginning of the script, like, this is the direction. This should be spoken at rapid fire pace. You should never be slowing down to get out the words as fast as possible. Part of that was I wanted it all in the show. Part of it, it felt like the pace of Washington at that point. It felt like the pace of her work. They should speak that way. Everything was, you know, in a hurry. What era were you thinking about when you wrote that show? Which era of Washington? Which presidency? Oh, in terms of who was the inspiration for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting is I was lucky because I got to write, it was during the Obama presidency, so I wanted to write a president that was as opposite of President Obama as I could because I didn't want there to be any comparisons there. But I also was working with Judy Smith, who worked during the Bush II presidency. And I felt like this is very interesting. It's an interesting line to walk. So in a way, I got to invent a White House that was a, a mixture of both of those White Houses in terms of how it was run. And then the president I just created out of thin air. I saw a little Clinton in there. There was a little Clinton, yeah. little Reagan. Like I tried, I tried to really mix it up. Yeah. But the, where did the evil come from? That, that can, is infused. Evil <laughs> is infused in that show. Do you think it's really like that anywhere? Well, at the time when I wrote it, I always say it was really nice to write a, a ghost story when you're standing in the light, in the broad daylight. But that show was really at a time when everything seemed so above board and so wonderful in Washington. And I was thinking like, what if all these amazing people that we admire so much, what if they're all just deep down inside like monsters? What would that feel like? Well, there was Guantanamo. Yes, there, right. There time. were things. There were there things. There were people in Washington promoting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those people kind of come out in your show very, very strongly. Yes. And very worrisomely. Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, and your Olivia Pope. Has she done any other big shows since Carrie? Scandal? Yeah. Carrie Washington's doing so much. She's got her own production company and they are producing. She's so smart. She's one of the smartest people I know. Not just one of the smartest actors, one of the smartest people I know. And beautiful. Well, yes, that goes without saying. But she's really, really brilliant and has been really working to make her own shows. And she's done a couple of things. She and Reese Witherspoon did a show and she's. She's done a ton. That part, though, did it hurt her? It would allow her. I mean, hurt her inside. I mean, oh, it was, that oh was, interesting. That was a hard part. She's a person who really digs in, though. She, she I think she relished. It. You could tell it when yeah. she was doing it. I think she relished all the parts of the character that were so different from her that allowed her to, like, dig into new things. And she was always, like, the most committed actor. And you really give it to them. <laughs> I enjoy writing things for actors that, well, just I enjoy writing stories that feel a little bit unexpected, but also sort of expand what but you know so of people. you're so prolific. I mean, you go from Washington to, to Queen Charlotte to the operating room. How do you do that? Well, Where I, do you do that? It used to be that I was writing three shows at once, and I am not doing that anymore, which is lovely. But it's also fun for me. Like, I, there was a period of time when I could write Scandal and write Grey's Anatomy wow. and turn my brain off from one to the other, and it would feel like a rest, like a respite from one to the other. Um, now, not so much, I don't think. But I love getting to dive into new worlds. And by the way, our guest is how old? 53. 53 years old. Look what she has accomplished in 53 short years. You are amazing. Oh, thank you. No, really amazing. It's, it's just phenomenal to think of all this success 
but it's not even the success, just the amount of work and beautiful work that you have created for, for us. I feel really lucky because I love what I do and I get to do what I love. And that's, that's insane to me. That's the dream right there. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags, and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Well, now that the writer's strike is over, yes. <laughs> what are you working on? Oh, Can you wow. talk about it a little? Well, we are making a show that's still not being, we were shooting it and we had to stop. So we'll see when we get back, when the actors are back. We're making a show called The Residence, which is just a very all-out mystery in the White House, which I'm excited about, oh, which good. I think is really fun and a little bit different for us. We still have more seasons of Bridgerton to come, a lot more seasons of Bridgerton to come. Oh, and good. I'm searching for exactly what I'm going to focus on next for me. And Bridgerton, where does it go? Where, where do you go? Well, you know, there are eight Bridgerton siblings and there are eight Bridgerton books about eight Bridgerton siblings. So our goal is to tell a story about each one of them. Queen Charlotte was set in the Georgian era, but this is the Regency era. And we get to really explore what that means for women at that time and what it means for relationships. And I don't know, I, have, I think it's so a fun As a result, world. do you spend much time overseas in, in, in England? I've spent a little bit more, definitely a little bit more time. And now that I'm sort of halfway between LA and London, it makes it easier. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to get to be there. But mostly I always say that if I'm standing on a set, I'm the only person not working. Everybody else is busy doing a job. And any word I say becomes a criticism or a concern. So I try really hard to just be supportive. Oh, I see. Yeah. You want everybody to feel free to do their creative work. Because you have a director, you have producers. Oh, yes, have... yes. We always have a writer on set, and that's always the most important thing, like a writer who's a producer as well. So you say that you suffered from imposter syndrome. What does that mean, imposter syndrome, when you were uh, working? I actually don't suffer from imposter oh. syndrome. I don't believe in imposter syndrome. And the reason I say that is because it's so hard to believe in yourself anyway that if you start giving it a name, like I refuse to name it, same way I refuse to name writer's block. If you start giving it a name, it sort of takes over. Oh. So I try really hard to just keep moving forward. 
you wrote the book, The Year of Yes. Yes. Tell us about that book. So it's a memoir, uh, sort of about, I think it's sort of about my creative process, but really what it's about is I would come home and tell my, my, I have several sisters. I would tell my sister all of the things that I had been invited to do. I'd invited to go to this event. I'd invited to this thing at the castle and this and that. And she finally said, are you going to do any of these things? And I said, well, no. And she said, you never say yes to anything. And that really stuck with me, this idea that like I was having all the success, but not having, enjoying any of the new experiences that come with that. And so I decided to take a year and say yes to everything that really scared me. And so I did everything. I went and I did a commencement speech at Dartmouth, which was me for public speaking. It was terrifying. Is it on, is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube. I'm going to watch yes. it. <laughs> I did a Jimmy Kimmel. Was it Kimmel. fun though afterwards? You know what? It was amazing. What I discovered in this, in the writing of this book and in this process of this is to do the thing that terrifies you sort of undoes the fear. So I was so, I mean, I was shaking when I got up to that podium, but somehow there was just this moment when you can see me exhale and all of my fear just washes away. And it's, it was profound for me. It really was. There were a lot of those moments that year. And what else did you say yes to? Oh, I went on Jimmy Kimmel Live and I had always been afraid of being on like any kind of live show. I thought that was going to be a terrible thing. Jimmy was amazing and sort of made it easy. He's which so was fun. Nice. He's, He's so, so fun. fun. And he was so kind to me because I so clearly was terrified. I starred in an episode of the, not starred, starred, guest starred in an episode of the Mindy Kaling show where I was acting, oh. which has always been a thing that was also terrifying for me as well. I did a lot of things. I mean, it was very interesting. And I joined a lot of things and I found myself having just these new experiences that changed my life. You said that you said yes to no to a proposal. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was sort of on that track that you're supposed to be on and really great guy. And You've never been married? No, never been married. Never been married. Really how great many guy. children do you have? I have three. Three kids. Yes. How nice. In various ways, and yes. you said your daughter's in, out, just graduated from college? I have a oh. daughter who's in college <laughs> um, in New York City, and I have a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old. So I just it just wasn't me. Like I kept trying to fit, figure out how I was going to fit myself into this box, and it wasn't me. And I remember- I can't imagine that you have time to be married. That's so- That's it, that you don't have time. Right. Someone once said to me that you can be married, you can have a career, and you can have, or you can have children, but you can't have all three. Well, when, when we talked about balance in the olden days, you know, everybody thought you could balance work with husband, with children, you with can't. home, with entertaining- and, you know, I talk about I talk about that a lot because balance just, it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting divorced freed me, not happily, mm -hmm. not, I like being married, yeah. but freed me from that kind of situation and mm -hmm. angst because it's, it's hard to be married and do everything that the husband wants right. and then do your own thing. And building a company was next in, in my agenda. And, uh, and it's worked out fine, and I haven't wanted to get married again. See? But, I understand that completely. But I don't want to—I don't—I don't, I don't, I, I love having—I love men. I love taking, mm -hmm. going out with men. I love talking to men. But I don't have to be married to them. I agree. Yes. I agree. I'm looking, if anybody wants okay. to know here on Martha. But She's yeah. looking. But I'm not looking to get married. Okay. Same with me. Yeah. Always. Always the same. Uh, that's out of the way. So <laughs> was one, th what, one, th one yes really fantastic, exciting that you did that, that you oh. never thought you would do, like jump out of an airplane with a parachute or something? Oh, gosh. I think my, my yeses were smaller. They were definitely smaller than that. Um, the best thing I did, and I, I did a TED Talk on this, and it sounds crazy, but the best thing that I did was I said yes to my children every time they asked me to play. 
which, as you know, as busy as life gets and as busy as you are with work and with everything else, it's very hard to, to take that time. And what I realized is if I said yes every time, they stopped worrying that I would say no, number one, and therefore didn't ask as much in an interesting way. And two, they really only need 10 minutes. Like you say yes, it's really only 10 minutes a time. And, and it made a big yeah, and then difference. And they run off and do something else, but that, but you were there for them. Right. I was there for them. That's, and that made a huge difference. That's, I remember working at, at your age and a little younger and traveling to New York to my job and making sure that I got home every night just to have dinner. Because mm-hmm. even though it was very difficult, I got home for making dinner and sitting down at a table with my husband and daughter. And that was very important. It's very powerful for yes, them, too, for, for your child especially. It's a really powerful thing to know that you're there, there. Your producing partner is Betsy Beers. Yes. Um, how important is that relationship to your work? Betsy and I have been together since the beginning of Grey's Anatomy as producing partners. I've known her as long, I mean, as long as the show's been on the air and before I've known her. She's, I've known her as long as I've known my daughter, 21 years. And she's been amazing. Like, she's been sort of the other half of my brain in terms of, thinking about producing in the in the practical ways, where I'm thinking sort of in the creative ways. But she's also been a great person over the years to bounce things off of. And she's the person who came to me and said, you have to meet this woman named Judy Smith. I think she could be a television show. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And she was like, do it. And that's how Scandal came to be. Oh. Like she's she knows me really well and I know her really well. And I think we work together well for that reason. Was Judy, Judy was writer? the actual inspiration. Oh, she was the inspiration. She was the fixer, yeah. Who's your CEO that lives in Dallas? Oh, that's Mega. I have a wonderful CEO who um, lives in Dallas. And we that was sort of a thing that we did starting at the beginning of our sort of pandemic experience. I, know I needed to, knew I needed to hire somebody and I knew I needed somebody. And we were sort of being remote and we still are really doing a lot of remote things. And it felt like if I was going to move to Connecticut, I needed somebody who was going to be boots on the ground. Well, she loves her job. Her, I met her husband in Italy. Yes. And uh, and we talked about it. So she goes back and forth to L.A. Yeah. And manages everything. So She's that's spectacular. Good. She's that's spectacular. great to have somebody like that. So can you describe how your roles are different on your roster of hit shows? So Grey's Anatomy, write. You're the writer. Mm-hmm. Well, Scandal, you're the writer. Right. Grey's Anatomy, um, Scandal, Private Practice, as the writer and executive producer. Um, on How to Go With Murder, I was the executive producer for a wonderful writer named Pete Nowak. Um, That's such a good show. Oh, he's, and he did just, he's amazing. He's brilliant. And it was wonderful to work with him. Uh, I hope we get to do it again sometime because he was so great. And then on the, the streaming shows, when we moved over to Netflix, Bridgerton was a project that I found and was in love with and felt like really strongly about, but I brought in another writer to write, which was great because it allowed me to shepherd, but not yeah, those are- be inside. And Queen Charlotte and Inventing Anna the same way were things I wrote and executive produced. I have some numbers here that were like astonishing. We had three shows in the top 10 Netflix viewing of all time. And then a fourth show, Queen Charlotte came in and knocked one of the third show that we had on there off the list. And so we still have three shows. Oh, oh, yeah. Queen Charlotte knocked off Bridget and two. No, or? Queen Charlotte knocked off Inventing Anna. Oh so, my gosh. yeah. That was a good show. I enjoyed that, writing that show. Oh. That was very different for me and so much fun. Oh, and your actress was so good. She's incredibly talented. Oh they all gosh. were. It was oh. really wonderful to she work on. She was amazing. Here's some interesting facts Netflix most watched TV shows, one to 10. There's Squid Game, Stranger Things. Dahmer, Wednesday, Money Heist, and then Bridgerton, season two. Mm-hmm. Bridgerton, season one. But you want to know how many viewers, how many hours? 
Bridgerton 2, 656 million hours watched. Yeah. That is, and that's, but that's not, that's on a single TV. Yeah. Not knowing how many people are around that TV. Or watching the TV. That's right. Exactly. So if you multiply that, say, in family of three or something, I mean, do you know, do you know how people watch TV now? Do they watch en famille or do they watch individually? It depends on who they are. I mean, I think there are couples who watch everything together. I think there are definitely, I hear a lot of anecdotal stories about families watching Bridgerton together, although I don't recommend watching it with your mom. It's a lot. Did, you, did say, you love Squid Games? I thought it was fascinating. I did too. Yeah, I was fascinated. My by daughter it. banned it from her children. They're eleven. I and get 12. that. Yes, banned it, and and then I started to talk about it um, with with them one one day, and they knew every so scene. Of course, they had watched it. it. Of course, they had watched yeah. it, and they and I thought it was funny, and they they didn't think it was quite as funny as I thought it was. Interesting, but uh, but but that they knew everything. <laughs> They do. And you think you think you're sort of hiding something from them or keeping something from them. It's very hard to do. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. How accurate is Queen Charlotte? We tried to be accurate in as many ways as we possibly could. Like, there's a lot of actual history embedded in there, but... I was really trying to tell the story, not of the actual Queen Charlotte, but of the Queen Charlotte you've come to know in Bridgerton. Like, I wanted to tell her origin story because as played by Golda, I mean, that character is amazing. amazing. And I kept thinking, how does she come to be who she is? And so we sort of melded some real history with a lot of the fiction of Queen Charlotte um, from Bridgerton and built and it that way. And the American audience, of course, loves it. What about the English audience? They really embraced it they as did. well. It did really well over there, which was really exciting to see. I also think that a lot of them enjoyed... You know, we really depicted mental health um, in a very specific way. And I was really proud of that, like that we got to sort of humanize this character who for a long time had been sort of referred to as just Mad King George and made fun of. So I think that helped. 
So how do you foster um, a creative environment in your writer's room? I love having people in the room who will argue with me. And I try to make that very clear. Like your dissent is welcome because I think it's terrifying and uncreative to be in a room where everyone's supposed to agree with me. Well, you have a, say you have an hour script for Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. uh, is it an hour, a total hour? Bridgerton's an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you have to write how many pages does that take? Well, luckily I don't write Bridgerton, but Bridgerton's oh. an hour and it's probably about 65, 70 pages. Um, but like Inventing Anna was the same thing and Queen Charlotte was the same thing. But a writer's room should be a place where people feel like they can tell you you're wrong. They can argue your opinion. And I love people who think very differently than I do. So I like to fill the room with people who are like real individuals. How long does one hour of Queen Charlotte take to write? Would you, um, say? you do an outline? I don't do outlines. I mean, I have to admit, oh. I'm a person who doesn't do outlines. But when it's in, I, your, it's in your head. Right. But when I have writers writing with me, it's really important. And I think we try really hard to give them time to, you know, you break a story, you talk about it a lot. And when you're working with a room, it's really important that I'm very talkative and share like what's in my mind. And then they can build on that and, and share their opinions and thoughts too. Some of the best episodes we've ever had, my favorite episode of Inventing Anna was completely written by another writer. Matt Byrne, who just knew what he was doing and built this story that was so great that when I read it, I thought, like, this is perfect. But we'd also, like, argued it out in a room for a long time, mm -hmm. which was wonderful. What a great thing to show the viewing public uh, a character like that, which we would never get to know just from a book. It was important. I thought it would be really fun, too, to sort of see where she came from and to view it, I mean, not with a ton of sympathy, but but with a ton of empathy for who yes. she is and how she got yes. there. That's a good word. That's a yeah. good word. And what's, for you, besides, of course, obvious success, what's the most rewarding aspect of being uh, the head of Shondalam, a media company? Um, um, you know, you're, you are a mega brand. I love getting to invest in talent and help them tell their stories. We have a series of podcasts with amazing people. We enjoy like bringing other young writers along and helping them have their own shows. And if I can help them in any way, I think that that's exciting. So to me, like that's what I enjoy the most. Who is your competition? And, and do you know your competition? I don't know that we have exact competition. Some other really big companies who do some other really great things. But luckily, I think we all have our own specific creative lanes right now. Like Squid Games has their own lane. Squid, Squid Games has their own <laughs> lane. That's like, in Korea, too. Right, exactly. But there are definite, like a lot of companies. Ryan Murphy's company makes a ton of shows. We are in totally different lanes, which right. I love. Fair. You know, So it's, it's fun to be able to have it that way. I talked to him, and he says he goes up, and then he goes down. He has happy, then he goes to evil. <laughs> then he goes happy, then That's he goes true. to evil. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. You're a little bit more even-tempered. I am a little bit more yes, even-tempered, you yeah. But you're a mother. Yes. And I think that makes a huge difference. I think it does, too. <laughs> so you've written um, characters who have become really a part of the pop uh, culture lexicon. We talked about Dr. McDreamy, McSteamy, mm -hmm. Olivia Pope. How do you know when you've developed a character that will really resonate with the audience? How did you know that Olivia Pope would resonate as she did so strongly? You know, my only goal when I start writing shows is to write something that I really, really want to watch. And that's my only barometer. I think one day shows I really, really, really want to watch might be something that nobody else wants to watch. But I have the good fortune right now that when I create a character that I really care for, it feels like the audience also feels that and cares for them too. 
So why do you think Grey's Anatomy has withstood the, te- uh, the test of time for 21 years? Wow. I think part of it is the longevity of the characters. I mean, most people stayed on that show for between 7 and 10, 15 years. I mean, there was always somebody sort of doing the follow-through. We didn't have a lot of attrition, That's I would nice. say. Yeah. And then, they liked their jobs. Yeah. And I, they liked being who they were on the show, I think they? they did. I think that those characters are heroic in a lot of ways. I also think, though, that there's something really relatable for the public about the kind of medicine we were practicing and that we were telling the stories from the point of view of people who were struggling to do their jobs well. And when you did your job badly on a day, someone died. I think there's something really relatable about that. I'm always amazed when I run into young women who tell me that they became doctors because they became addicted to Grey's Anatomy. And I love hearing that because something about it made them stand in those women's shoes and get excited about science. And realize that they could do that job. Yes. Every year I'm surprised and every year I'm thrilled that people are still embracing the show. Is there a big difference between writing for a network or a Netflix? So I think the big deal about writing for network is there are all of these fences involved. You have to tell a story in this many acts. You have this much time. You, have, you can say or do only breaks. these things, right? There's a lot of those fences. And when you go to a place like Netflix, there are no fences. And they've been very supportive and, and wonderful about the creative stuff we want to do. The well, problem, you're, one, you're one of their super, super, super stars. But the problem with being able to do what you want to do is that you really have to then feel the responsibility of the quality control. Because if you can do anything, that's always a terrible thing, I think. Like, it's nice to remember that we can do anything, but we shouldn't do everything. Well, there are there are executives there. Don't they say anything to you? Or do they just... Oh, they're very supportive and lovely. Yeah. But we really have been given a lot of freedom that I don't think necessarily other people have. And I take that as a great responsibility. Did you propose Bridgerton to, uh, to them? Yes. Oh, okay, and they liked it. Yeah, th- these were books that I had become obsessed with and really, really wanted us to have. And so I walked in the door with those, like really in my mind of something we should do. So spinoffs and sequels uh, have become um, their own world. What's the difference between building a show and then building a franchise from that show? Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good question. We have built a franchise off of Grey's Anatomy, obviously, with Station 19 and with private practice, and it's it's all working. It's about doing it authentically. Like, you can't just jam some other show onto something. You really have to make it spring from the heart of what the show is to really build it so it works. I think that's the most important thing. Um, when you're building a show, you're building a world, and then anything that comes off of that world really has to be a bit of that world and feel natural. Uh, one question that came came up was, what are, what are three episodes that you have created that you are so proud of? Oh, interesting. In any of your shows? Oh, this is a good question. Um, the it gives su- you the shivers still. <laughs> the Super Bowl episode of Grey's Anatomy, where Meredith has her hand in the, on a mom in a body cavity, that was one. Um, because it was the first big episode of anything I'd written, and it was exciting. Scandal. There are so many episodes of Scandal that I really just love. But the one where Olivia Pope has an abortion on Christmas Eve might be the one that I, I like the most because of its power and how we told that story. And then Private Practice, we did this amazing episode called Did You Hear What Happened to Charlotte King? And she had been attacked. And it was a great medical episode about what happens when you're attacked. So those three always stand out to me because they're the ones people mention to me the most. Um, but for me, writing Queen Charlotte, the final episode of Queen Charlotte is probably the, my favorite thing I've ever written. Really? Yeah. 
So your family is such an important part of your life. You do so much for your family. And uh, what roles have they played in your career? Um, I feel like my family has done so much for me. How many sisters? You said you have several sisters. I'm the youngest of six. Oh, wow. Yeah. So six girls? No, 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 oh. no. Four girls, two boys. Okay, we were three boys, three girls in my family. Oh, see? Yep. Same thing, six. So I was the youngest of six. My sister, Sandy, um, who is amazing and probably my best friend in the world, also sort of runs the other half of our company, the digital division and all that goes along with that. So for her, I love it because she's a person who could say to me, that's a bad idea, Shonda. No. <laughs> um, but also just has this well of creativity of her own, which is amazing and, and really springs to life. And then my other siblings, we've all been really, really close our, this whole oh, time. Nice. We've been lucky for that. Yeah. And do they live around you? Or? Um, yeah, some of them live pretty close, which is wonderful. And my parents, who, when I moved to Connecticut, they basically said to me, you took our granddaughters. And they packed up and they moved to Connecticut, too. Oh, so good. they live about four blocks from me now. Oh, how great. Yeah. We're, we're a close family. Oh, that, that is so nice. Yeah. So very nice. In your book... You talk a lot about how hard you work to create a future for your daughters. Mm -hmm. What are your hopes for your daughters? You know, the best thing I can say is- In this world, in this crazy world. The best thing I can say is I feel like my parents did everything they could to set up a world so that me and my siblings, that we could, so that we could all succeed, succeed in the way that we wanted to succeed. And I think that they made sure that we had the education behind it and all of those things that were necessary. And for me, I feel like, now I'm in a position where I can set up the world for my daughter so that they can pursue their passions. In a lot of cases, making a living is not the same as pursuing a passion. So they can pursue their passions the way they want to, but also have like the, the foundation to take care of themselves, which I think is important, especially in this world. I want them to be savvy and I want them to be civic-minded. I want them to be voters. I want them to pay attention to everything. And this is a silly question they want me to ask. Okay. <laughs> if you were able to date any of the characters from your shows, oh who would it be? Which of those sexy men mm. would you be dating? I, I might have to reach back in time and say that I would need to date the Duke from Bridgerton, season one of the Bridgerton um, of that series. He's a little damaged, but all of the men I write are pretty damaged. They are. Yeah. <laughs> so I think probably maybe him recently. But it's hard to know. I mean, there's so many interesting ones. And it's also just not healthy to think about dating somebody whose lines you write. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me for such a long time. And uh, to keep up with all that Shonda is doing, and it's a lot, follow her on Instagram at Shonda Rhimes. Find her podcasts and more on her website, shondalandmedia.com. Thank you so very much for taking the time, Shonda. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And keep up this fantastic work so we have things to watch forever and ever. Thank you. Thank you. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. 
No more lugging heavy bags, and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.